Hey everyone, welcome to the Promise Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to like us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Promise Church. And to see what else is going on around here at Promise, please visit us at mypromisechurch.com. We hope this message you're about to listen to ministers to you and changes your life. Enjoy. There's this great story where uh, Jacob has a reunion with his son, Joseph. And I want to read the tail end of this story here in Genesis 45. It says that they went up out of Egypt, his brothers, Joseph's brothers. They, they leave Egypt and they come to the land of Canaan to Jacob, their father. And they told him saying, Joseph is still alive. Everybody say that with me. Not only is he alive, Dad, I'm adding that part. He is the governor over all the land of Egypt. Now, if I'm Jacob, (laughs) it says his heart stood still. I might have had a heart attack (laughs) because he did not believe them. They First of all, they tell you, the son you thought was dead for 20 years, he's alive. Not only that, he's doing pretty well for himself. He's the governor of all of Egypt. Now, you got I don't know how old Jacob was here. I could have, should have looked it up. But, you know, you don't tell an old man news like that, right? His heart stands still because he doesn't believe him. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revives. Then Israel said, now notice his name is Israel, said, it is enough, Joseph my son is still alive, I will go and see him before I die. That was what he wanted to do before he died, was to see his son one more time. You know, I believe that the first step of a revival is an awakening. It's, 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 a, it's an awareness of our condition and that God is our help. Oftentimes people will ask me, they say, I don't know if I'm ready to be baptized. And I always tell somebody, if you recognize you're a sinner and you recognize he's your savior, it's time to be baptized. And, And I think that's the first step of a revival is to recognize I'm in trouble. I need help. We're far from God. We need to repent. We need to turn toward him. We're in trouble. He's our help. We have a need. He's our provider. We are sick. He's our healer. You got to come to that awakening first. And then last week I preached, you got to be able to see it. You you can't, you got to see it. Not with natural eyes, because oftentimes you won't see it with natural eyes. But you can see it with spiritual eyes. Joshua and Caleb, if they went in with natural eyes, they would have saw the walls and the giants. But they went in with spiritual eyes. And we've got to have spiritual eyes. But the third thing, after you awake to it, and after you can see it, I want to just preach it this way, that we can be alive and we can be energized. And I wrestled with how to say that because I know it rhymes, but I'm revived, I'm alive, and I'm energized. And I didn't mean for it to be that cheesy and rhymy, but we're alive and we're energized. You see, there's, there's, there's a newness of life. There's an energy that comes, and that's where we're at. So say hello to somebody next to you, and God bless you. You can be seated. 
thank you to the worship team, the keys, all those guys and gals that help us every week. It's always a blessing. You know, um, Jacob in this story, he had a favorite son, and his name was Joseph. And Joseph was a favorite son uh, most certainly because he was Rachel's firstborn son. And Rachel was his first love, if you know that story. And yet, even though Joseph was dad's favorite, you probably know, but he was the least favorite of all of his brothers. And Joseph would, knew that God's favor was on him. He, he knew that God had a special calling on him, that God's favor was on him. And as a young boy, he, he was he was not tactful with this calling and this favor. In fact, he was quite brash about it. And when they would work in the fields, he would tell his older brothers, because remember, Leah was bringing forth sons way before Rachel was. And he would tell his brothers, he would say, you know, I know that you're my older brothers, which was a very important thing back then. But he was saying, I, I know that you're my older brothers, but here's the thing. I had a dream that all of your crops bowed and worshipped my crops. And they'd say, you're our little brother, buddy. We're going to push you around a little bit till you realize your order here in the, in the birth order. And then he would say, you know what, guys, I had another dream that, that of all the stars in the heavens, your stars were there, your stars were there, Reuben and Ben and Gad, but all of your stars were dimmer than my star. And they would say, what? What are you talking about? And then when his father, uh, Jacob, made Joseph a special coat, that was the last straw for the other 11 brothers. They were angry. They were jealous. Their anger was directed at their father, but maybe spilled out toward Joseph as well. And what they did out of their frustration and their anger is they threw Joseph in a pit until they could decide what to do with him. Then, of course... The decision was really made for them because a caravan of Ishmaelites drove by and they decided to sell their brother into that caravan that was on the way to Egypt. And Reuben discovered that uh, the, the boys, uh, Reuben discovered that Joseph had been sold into that pit. He discovered what his brothers had done. They'd thrown him in a pit. They'd sold him into the caravan. And Reuben panics and he realizes we have to come up with a plan. We have to have a story for our father. So what the boys did is they took that beautiful coat, that coat of many colors. It was handmade by their father and they dipped it in the, in the blood of a goat. And they wrung it out and they took that coat and they laid it before their father Jacob. And they said, Dad, we don't know what happened, but we found this coat. We don't know where Joseph is, but we found this coat. And they laid it at Jacob's feet, acting as if they had no idea what happened. And they said, Dad, is this Joseph's coat? knowing full well that it was, but they wanted their dad to decide it. And if you read that story in Genesis 37, you'll see that Jacob looked at the coat, he picked it up, he ran his hands over it, and he said, I'm sure this is Joseph's coat. A wild beast has taken my son. 
And we know the story, but Jacob broke in that moment. He wept. He was broken down. Something in his spirit shriveled up and died. His spirit, his heart, his soul sunk way down deep. Something snapped deep within him. Something shriveled up. Something sank down in that moment. And the Bible says that Jacob wept. It says that he was broken. It said that he just fell down. People tried to console him, but he would not be consoled. And now you have to understand that technically... Those boys, they did not lie to their father. They never said what happened. They just laid the coat at his feet. They simply put the coat down and they put that false evidence in front of Jacob's eyes and they let him draw his own conclusion. Now how many know that oftentimes the enemy does the very same thing to us? He paints a picture He puts some things together, he slants a story, he gives us a billboard, a commercial, an advertisement, a sales pitch. He lays it out and he just lays it on our feet. But guess what? He will let you make your own conclusion. That's why Jesus said the devil is a liar and he's the father of lies. He's done nothing but he's come to steal, to kill and destroy. He's going to give you false evidence. He's going to paint a false picture. He's going to give you a twisted sort of thing. And I want to tell you, it's up to you to draw your own conclusion. But today, it's time to be revived. It's time to come alive. It's time to be energized. Because the enemy wants to lay evidence at your feet. He wants to lay it in your hands. He wants to put it in front of your eyes and tell you that your best days are over. That you messed up one too many times. That God has forsaken you. That God doesn't hear your prayers. That it's been a hard season. That you don't got enough fuel in your tank. And that you're never going to make it. I don't know about you, but we've all been walking through stuff in 2020. I don't know about you, but we've all gone through some things that if we let somebody twist it, we let the enemy tell the story, you will give up, you'll throw in the towel, something will break in you, your spirit will fall down, and maybe you've been convinced in this season by some evidence that's laid before you that God is no longer on the throne. I want to tell you God is still on the throne. Maybe the enemy's told you God is not in control that the best days of the church are behind us, that there's something in your ability that you'll never change, that there's a trap you'll never get out of, that there's a situation you'll never be free of, that there's a temptation you'll never be delivered from, that there's a problem that can't be solved, that there's a sickness that can't be healed, that there's a sin that can't be forgiven, that there's an obstacle that cannot be overcome, or you have decided I can't be healed, I can't make it, I can't be saved, but I want to tell somebody today the truth is that God is alive, that God hears your prayers, that God can save you, that God can heal you. And I want to tell somebody today, While Jacob was holding that coat, oh, I want to tell somebody today, while Jacob was holding that coat, somebody ought to let go of that coat today. Because while Jacob was holding that coat, God's hand was still on his son. God was delivering from from a pit, from a, a prison, and all the way into a palace. God took him from slavery to Potiphar's house, to Pharaoh's throne room, 
Rome, made him the prime minister, the governor over all of Egypt. Later, he'd save his family, save his brothers, save his father, save the nation of Egypt, save the whole world. Because God's hand was still on him. And even though dad was holding the coat, God's hand was still on his son. I want to tell you, don't look at what this world would show you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy. But hold on to what God has said. Hold on to the word of God. Hold on to the dream. It is not dead. God is still alive. God is still at work. God is still on the throne. God still works the midnight hour. God still works the night shift. And Joseph said, all of that that you meant for evil. God was working out to my favor and to my good. Somebody ought to give God a praise right there. Oh, hallelujah. Don't let me preach with this thing anymore. You see, when Jacob figured out that it was the enemy, that it wasn't true, that it was all a lie, his heart was revived. And I think sometimes we have to have that revival in our spirit and realize the enemy's been lying to me. God is still in control. That coworker lied to me. God is still in control. The enemy told me that, that my kids couldn't be saved, but it was a lie. It was a lie. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. All the way along our walk with God, we have to be revived. We don't just get a blessing and we coast till Jesus comes. <laughs> we don't just check the checkbox of salvation and just hope there's enough there to get us to the finish line and just trip into the pearly gates and just make it by the, the, the hair on our chin. Right? Uh, I don't just get my uh, salvation certificate, my baptism certificate that my pastor signed back in 1991 and I dust it off somewhere and say, look, I'm going all the way to heaven. I've got enough fuel in the tank and say, look here, this is me in the baptism tank 29 years ago. I thank God for what he did in 1990, but we need a touch in 2020. <laughs> I need a fresh baptism. I need a fresh anointing. I need fresh bread. I need a fresh touch. You got to have encounters with God. You got to have a touch from God. You got to have experiences with God. You got to have a moment with God. You got to have a prayer closet with God. You got to have a praise phrase. You got to let get lost in worship and get a touch, a fresh anointing that'll revive your spirit. Jesus said in John chapter 3 to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. Unless you are born. You all were both right, but I was looking for again. Unless you are born again. Unless you're born of the water and the spirit. Unless you're born again. You can't see the kingdom of God. You can't even see it. We know that it was not meant to be a one-time thing, being born again. 
I remember in Acts chapter 2, it said they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. That prayer meeting spilled out into the streets. Acts chapter 3, they're still so full of the Holy Spirit. They're going into the church to pray, and it wasn't even Sunday. And they see a lame man right there at the beginning of Acts chapter 3. You know the story. Peter grabs a hold of him and says, I don't got silver and gold today, but what I got I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And immediately strength comes to his ankle bones. He begins to leap and dance, magnify God. And he goes into the prayer meeting with them. But then, guess what? Peter and John get arrested for that. And they get beat within one inch of their life. They bring them out and they talk to them. They beat them again. They bring them out and talk to them. And they tell them, they say, don't ever speak the name of Jesus again. Now their tank is low. They're afraid. They're scared. And what do they do? They go into a prayer meeting again. And by the end of Acts chapter 4, verse 31, said that the Holy Spirit fell again. But this time, they were given a power and a boldness to preach the name of Jesus. And Peter said, I've figured it out. I reckon that I ought to obey God. And even if I'm a disobeying man, I'm going to obey God. Because a boldness came over him. A refueling came into him. A refilling of the Holy Spirit came into him. He was born again, again. And we know along the way you've got to be revived. Jesus is saying you've got to be born again. It's not just a one-time experience, but there are things in us that got to be born again. You go through things like we've gone through this year. And you walk through valleys. And you go through storms. And you go through hard seasons. And you get to the other side of it sometimes. And you look around your surroundings. And you look around at your situation and you say, I-, I lost some of my courage. Peter got into that jail cell. He said, I was bold in Acts chapter 2, but this is Acts chapter 4. <laughs> some of my boldness is gone. You might have said in 1990, I was bold. I had zeal. I was on fire. But this is 2020. And i got to get a new touch, a new anointing, because I've got a deficit of courage and I need encouraged. I've got a deficit of strength and I need a, a new touch of hope, of life, of power, of vigor, of strength. And I've got to tell you, there are things in us that have to be born again. And you can't just say, God did it for me in 1990 because now this is a new year. And I can't just coast until Jesus comes. But I've got to have a zeal, a passion, a desire that comes in me that says, no, 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 no. I've got to be refueled. I've got to be refilled in order to see the kingdom of heaven. I've got to be born again. And so faith has to be born again. My prayer life has to be born again. Hope has to be born again. Vision has to be born again. My enthusiasm, my passion, my zeal, all of those things, they've got to be born again. Sometimes my prayer life has to be born again. I'll come into the church and I'll begin to pray and I'm thinking of all the things that I got to do that day and I got to do this and I got to do that and my prayer life is dry and all of a sudden I'll realize God's got to get a hold of me here. This isn't God's plan for me. I've got to get my prayer life back. It's got to be born again. There's got to be a revival of it. It's got to be rejuvenated. Sometimes my praise got to be born again. Sometimes my worship has to be born again. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll come in and I'm thinking about everything but praise and worship. I know there's nobody going to say amen. I'm thinking of, I got to pay the mortgage on Monday. <laughs> I'm thinking, I just, I came in this morning on the front row. I said, where are the kids at? She said, they're a few rows behind. I look back to see if they're behaving. 
Sometimes you come in pray to, during praise and worship. Your mind is everywhere else. But there's sometimes there's somebody on your row that's already got their praise phrase warmed up. They've already got their praise revived. Their praise has been born again. And they've got their tambourine going or they've got their heels clicking or they're doing their two-step dance. They're clapping, clapping offbeat, clapping double time, clapping triple time. They're singing off key, but they could care less. They've come to worship God and they don't know what you came to do, but they came to praise the Lord. And all of a sudden there's a rejuvenation, there's a revival, there's a refueling of my praise. And then they don't have to strike the right note on the band. They don't have to sing my favorite song because it's not about that. It's about me praising God. I've got something to praise. I've got something to worship Him for. And I'm just saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for waking me up one more time. Thank you, Jesus, for filling me one more time. Those things got to be born again in us. They got to be born again. Thought about how in Revelation 21 and 5, I've been reading Revelation lately, it keeps getting in me. John said, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. Now, if you don't know, that's at the end of Revelation. In heaven, all things are made new. There's nothing. Catch it now. There's nothing that's old. I remember when Jesus showed up to Thomas. Because Thomas said, I'm not going to believe unless I see the nail scarred hands. I'm not going to believe until I see the spear. And Jesus shows up, walks through the wall, says here. But he had a glorified body. It's a heavenly body. It's an eternal body. Are you with me now? I'm going to just say, in heaven... All things are made new. There's no gray hair. There's no wrinkles. I don't know if I'm in the book, but all things are made new, it said. All things. Are, somebody ought to claim that right now. In heaven, all things are made new. I've got a glorified body, an eternal body. It is made for eternity. And I just believe there's no gray hair. There's no wrinkles. And I just believe those golden streets, they don't have potholes. I believe that there's no bumping along there on those streets of gold. They don't need repair. It's not like I-4. Now, somebody ought to say amen to that. Somebody driving up and down I-4 every day ought to say amen to that. I see Brother Chris back there. There's no potholes in those streets of gold. There's no construction on streets of gold. Those gates of pearl, they're not hung on rusty old hinges that are crooked and can't be fastened and can't be latched. Those walls of jasper, they don't need pressure washed. Those mansions, they're not old. They're not falling apart. They don't have shutters missing. They don't have busted and broken out windows because Jesus said, all things are made new. All things are made new. God's desire for us is that things would be made new Romans 7 and 6 said we should serve God in the newness of the spirit and not the oldness of the letter of the law is what it's saying 
We should let our spirit be renewed to the place that I'm not serving God to live up to some letter of the law, but it's an overflow of my heart. I'm not here today because the Ten Commandments said honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. I'm here today because I love the Lord and I want to praise Him and I want to hear His Word and I want to come in the house with other believers and gather together with God's people. It's an overflow. It's a newness of my spirit. That means let it be fresh, let it be new, let it be on fire, let, it, let there be passion, let there be zeal. It's not something I got to do, it's something I get to do to live for God, to serve God. And I want to tell you the challenge of this year is to not let it get stale, but to keep it new, keep the zeal, and keep it fresh. I thought about, uh, have you ever had that new car smell? You ever had, you, you just get the car it's fresh, it's clean, the dealership, they wipe the dash down. I, I, I took a picture in my car recently and I, I was catching all kind of uh, uh, flack. I don't know, is that the right word to say? I was catching all kind of heat in my uh, Instagram messages because my dashboard was all dusty. And people were saying, wipe your dash down. <laughs> I, that's just me, I know, I'm sorry. But how many know it's hard to keep that new car smell? White, the dash is wiped down. It smells nice. I don't know about you. I'm just going to be honest here. There are fr McDonald's french fries in between the cup holder and my seat under the floor. But I can't reach them. It, it has an effect on the new car smell. You, you put dry cleaning back there. You take a couple days to get to the dry clean. It affects the new car smell. It's hard to keep that new car smell. It just, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't happen overnight, but just you come in in a few weeks and it's gone. How many know you buy the new car air freshener? It don't work. It doesn't work. I'm going to just save you $3. It don't work. I remember at our old house, our first house that we had in Lake Mary, there was kind of a retention pond in our backyard. And uh, certain times of year, you know, you'd get a lot of rain. And that little pond would fill up. It kind of had a drain that was engineered to go to the swamp or wherever it was. And over a period of days, if it didn't keep raining, it would, it would drain down. And I remember I would mow my uh, lawn back there, and it was kind of a drop-off into the pond or the ravine kind of thing. And I would go and I would mow my grass. Well, there was trees behind uh, at the back of the property there, and I, I kept noticing that after that pond would go down every time, I was losing a part of my backyard. It would erode down into the water. The water would carry it away, and it would go down into the pipe, and it would go into the swamp, wherever the alligators are that pumps that stuff out. I don't know where it all goes, but part of my backyard was going out to wherever that swamp was. And every time I mow my grass, I, I would notice uh, every few times I mow my grass, I think, I keep losing a part of my backyard. And, and what I was realizing is there was an erosion. And so I had a truck at the time. I would go down to this place on Ronald Reagan. I would tell him to put dirt in the back of my truck. And I would go back and I would wheelbarrow this dirt back there. And I'd try to like fill up my, my to save my, my property, my backyard from just washing all away. But here's what it was, is it was an erosion. And if you didn't watch it, it was eroding a foot at a time. A few inches at a time. It was just eroding and more and more and, and, and encroaching on my property. And I'll tell you, the enemy will do the same thing in your life. One lie at a time. 
One hard season at a time. One discouragement at a time. One tough day at a time. One storm at a time. One valley at a time. And your, your life keeps eroding. Your walk with God keeps encroaching back and back. And you lose more and more territory. But I love what David said in the valley of Elah. Isn't this the land that our God gave us? Isn't this the land of our father Abraham? I'm not going to allow the giant to taunt us on the land of our fathers. Somebody ought to get it back today and say that is mine, that's my territory, that's my property, God gave it to me, and I'm not giving an inch of it up. Get that new car smell back. And so, so I, was, I was putting that out there so that my property would, would remain. And we have, to, we have to keep it, we have to keep, make it remain. Uh, I was saying in uh, a couple weeks ago in First Thessalonians chapter four that it was telling us that the Lord Himself shall descend with a shout, and and you know the passage: the dead in Christ shall rise uh, uh, to first to meet Him in the air. But then it says, "They that are alive, they that are alive, and remain." So it's not enough to just be alive. Somebody that's born again is alive. But we have to remain. And so I want my prayer life to be alive, but I want it to remain. I want my praise to be alive, but I want it to remain. I want my fire for God to be alive, but I want it to remain. Because for the Lord to call us home, the challenge is for us to remain. To remain. You know, it said uh, in Titus 3 and 5 that it's not by works of righteousness which we've done, but according to His mercy that He saved us. How many say amen? Through the washing, look, regeneration and renewing. It's not just enough to be generated. There's got to be a regeneration. It's not enough to just be new, but there's got to be a renewing of the Holy Spirit. So I want to tell you today, it's not enough to have an, ex, uh, an experience with God 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 30 years ago. But I want to be renewed in the Holy Spirit. I want to be renewed in the, in, the, in the altar of God. I want to tell you, there's got to be some church services where you're renewed in the Holy Spirit. There's got to be some times in your prayer closet where you're renewed in the Holy Spirit. There's got to be times of prayer and worship where you're renewed in the Holy Spirit. What if everybody in the house today... Just said, I want to be renewed. I want to be restored. I want to be refilled. I want to be refueled. I want to be renewed and regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You know, I, uh, I've, I've given this example before, but I, I love it. It's just always kind of funny to me because I don't know why this is, but I grew up in, in, in Indiana. And if, in Indianapolis, if you order um, a tea in a restaurant, um, and and you you they only bring it one way down in the south they'll ask you unsweet or sweet they don't ask you that up there they just bring you unsweet tea now have you ever gone to drink unsweet tea without putting anything in it it's not good I've been trying to drink black coffee lately and then I, it just it's terrible it's not good <laughs> unsweet tea is the same way have you ever ordered sweet tea and they brought you unsweet tea and you sip it see that's the real test. You spit it out on people around you because it's a shock to your system. It's like, whoa, that was terrible. What was that? Now, I'm from Indianapolis, and, if they, and, and not every restaurant, most restaurants don't have sweet tea. And so you have to make your own sweet tea. And they bring you these packets of Splenda, Nutra Sweet, 
what's the other blue one there? Uh, uh, sugar, Splenda, Equal, that's it, Equal, thank you. Uh, what's the healthy one? Stevia, Truvia, <laughs> I don't like none of them, I'll be honest with you. Because here's the problem, you pour all that stuff in there, and then you go to talking, you mix it around, you go to talking, and it all settles right back down in the bottom of the drink. And so here's what I want to tell you. It's not really the sugar that makes the tea sweet. It's the stirring that makes the tea sweet. And so you can have the Holy Ghost in you, but if it all goes to the bottom, it ain't sweet tea. And that's why Paul said, you've got to stir up the gift that was given to you. You ever met somebody that said they were full of the Holy Spirit, but... I heard somebody say this week on Facebook, it said, it don't matter how much you read the Bible if you act like you have it. <laughs> I'll tell you, it don't matter how much you worship, how much you shout, how much you dance, how much you praise. If, you, if it's all settled in the bottom, that's why Paul said you've got to stir up the gift that was given to you. You can't let it settle all down to the bottom. Sometimes you got to come in here, and even if you don't feel like it, you got to raise your hands in the air. you got to stir up the gift that was in you. Shake somebody next to you and say, it's time to stir up the gift that is within you. got to have your spirit stirred up. Same way that Jacob was. When Jacob heard that his son was alive, not only that he was alive, but that he was ruling and reigning in Egypt. His spirit was revived. I want to tell you today that we don't have any reason to be down. We don't have any reason to be out because our Savior is alive. He is alive forevermore. He came out of the grave. He resurrected from the dead. He is a living Savior. And He is returning for us. And I just got to remind somebody today, He has the keys to death in hell. It no longer reigns over us. Jesus is alive. He's already won the victory. I can rejoice in the victory today. Stir it up. Jesus is alive. Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is returning for people who are alive and remain. Give God a praise right there if you believe it. Hallelujah. And so don't believe what the enemy is telling you. Jacob, when he saw those wagons of provision that Joseph sent from Egypt, he said, okay, I believe. And his spirit was revived. you got to think about it. Jacob lived for 20 years with those words, with that picture of the coat in his hand. And then he heard the words that Jacob is alive. He thought that dream was over with, of growing old with his son. He thought that was never going to happen. But that one statement changed him, and he said, before I die, I want to see my son one more time. There was something that revived in him where he realized, I can go see him. I, I don't have to believe the lie any longer. I don't have to believe the lie of the enemy. There was something that revived in him that day. You see, there's something that changed in that man when he heard that news. You have to remember, even from the day of his birth, he was a heel grabber. On the way in, entering into this world, the Bible said that his brother Esau was going to be the firstborn son. But there was something inside of Jacob 
some kind of passion, some kind of zeal, some kind of fire, some kind of desire for that birthright that he grabbed onto his brother's heel and he was just trying to be the firstborn son, just trying to enter into the world first. That was the spirit that he had. And then when it came time uh, for Jacob's father to die, Isaac, uh, he was blind. He was laying in bed. It was time to give uh, the blessing over his sons. And, and he, he devises this plan to put hair on his arms so he could confuse his father. Esau was this manly guy that was a hunter and had apparently just, just very obviously hairy arms. And so Jacob put the skin of an animal, hair of an animal on his arms and went in and said, Dad, please give me the birthright uh it's your son and of course you know the thing about the lentil bean soup and all of that kind of thing this was the kind of guy he was he was not going to be deterred there was a passion there was a fire there was a desire and don't forget Jacob when Esau found out he was trying to run him down and kill him and Jacob was running and he has that night where he's with the with the angel of the Lord that I just preached a couple weeks ago and he's wrestling with the angel and the angel's saying and let me go. The day is breaking forth. And he said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. I'm not letting you go unless you bless me. The angel of the Lord said, I'm going to knock your hip out of place. He did not care. He was a wrestler. He was a blessing supplanter. He was a heel grabber. And God said, no longer are you going to be called Jacob, but you will be called Israel. But there was something in him that changed that day when he heard the news about his son. Something broke. He lost something. He, or something eroded. He lost that new car smell. He lost the fire. He lost the passion. He lost the desire. But notice in that passage, it's Genesis 37, 27. It's not on the screen. You're just going to have to believe me. When he saw the wagons of provision, it said the spirit of Jacob revived inside of him. And what I love about that story is that for years and years, his name had been called Israel. That's why it's not the children of Jacob, but it's the children of Israel. But for 20 years, he had felt defeated. For 20 years, he believed the lie. For 20 years, he was broken down, depressed. But now, all of a sudden, that spirit of Jacob began to revive in him. The heel grabber, the blessing supplanter, the angel wrestler. It was all revived inside of him and I want to tell somebody today your prayer life can be revived that zeal from when you were a young Christian can be revived that praise can come back it can all be revived the enemy might have told you that this year was going to knock you out but I want to tell you the devil is a liar you can be revived the enemy might have told you you're not going to make it through it and you are not going to be saved but the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. And you can be revived. The enemy might have told you that your children can't be saved, that they're far from God. But I want to tell you, the devil is a liar. He's the father of lies. And when you understand that, something in your spirit can soar and be revived. Again, the enemy might tell you your finances are broken. You'll never get out of debt. You'll never be forgiven of sin. You'll never get out of the trap you're in. That temptation that's following you, that addiction that has a hold of you, it will always have a hold of you. I want to tell somebody today, the devil is a liar. You can be revived. Somebody stand on it today. Somebody believe it today. God is still on the throne. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, 
If Jesus is alive, my hope is in Him. My help is in Him. Everything I have, it's all in Him. Stand with me. Music come. i got to close quick here. You know, all throughout the Bible, people who were revived, people who were alive, and people who were energized, there was something different about them. I tell you, there was something different about Joseph because of the coat that his father put on him and the favor that God put on him. I want to tell you, when God puts a favor on you, when he puts his spirit in you, when he saves you, there's just something different about us. There's something different. God saved us. God's put something in us. I don't have to think like everybody else thinks. And, and when I'm revived, when I'm alive, when I'm, when I'm energized, there's just something, something, that, something that's burning inside of me. There's a passion and there's a zeal. Not only do we see it in Jacob, not only was he a heel grabber, not only was he a, a blessing grabber, not only was he a, 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 a wrestle, or angel wrestler, but we also see that when he was revived, there was something in him that said, look, I'm, I'm going to see my son again. And those people who are revived, they're alive, and they're energized. We see them all through Scripture. I remember Zacchaeus, he was a tree climber. He's like, I'm too short to see over the crowd. I'm a tax collector. People don't like me. But you know what? If I can just see him, I'm going to climb in this tree here. If I can just lay my eyes on him. Jesus sees when the sparrow falls from its nest. He knows the hair on your head. He is definitely going to notice somebody that's revived, alive, and energized enough to say, I'm going to climb a tree just to lay my eyes on Jesus. And Jesus says, today we're having lunch together in your house. People who were alive, revived, and energized I remember this woman was sick for 12 years. Nobody had an answer for her. She saw every doctor in the town, every doctor in the city, every doctor in that whole area. She spent all of her living. She said, I've been sick for 12 years. Even the Bible calls her the woman with an issue. And sometimes we're going through things so long that we are named by it. But she got something inside of her that she realized he's the answer. And so she wasn't a tree climber, but she was a crowd breaker. And she said, excuse me, I got to get through. I got to climb through here. I got to crawl through here. And she was just saying, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be healed. And she just moved through the crowd. She pressed through the crowd. And Jesus said, I, I, I'm the one that sees the sparrow fall and the hair on the head. I saw Zacchaeus in the tree. I didn't see her, but I felt. I felt power. I felt virtue exit my body. Who touched me? Somebody ought to preach that right now with social distancing. <laughs> who touched me? Master, with the press of the crowd, we would never know who touched you. Somebody touched me. I felt power leave my body. She speaks up and says, I've been sick for 12 long years, but now I feel healing virtue that has flowed into my body. Jacob was a hill grabber, a blessing supplanter. An angel wrestler. Zacchaeus was a tree climber. This woman was a crowd breaker. 
And I remember blind Bartimaeus was a silence breaker. He was a noisy praiser. He was saying, Jesus, don't pass me by. Thou son of David, don't pass me by. They started to tell him, he heard you quiet down. If he wanted to see you, he would have come over. But he knew that Jesus, he sees a sparrow when he falls. He would have come if he had heard me. I'm going to say it all the louder. Be quiet, blind Bartimaeus. He heard you. I'm going to cry all the louder. He was a noisy praiser. He was a silence breaker that said, Jesus. Thou son of David, do not pass me by. I need a healing. I need a touch. Jesus. I wish somebody get that in their spirit today. And just let a revival come over you. Just let a renewing of the Holy Spirit come over you. Jesus, I need a new touch. I need a fresh touch. I need new hope. I need new faith. Oh, come on. Somebody give God a praise right there. I need a new touch. I need new hope. I need new strength. I need a new zeal. I need a new passion. Come on, somebody lift him up right there. Jesus, hallelujah. 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 Jesus, I pray all over this house right now, Lord, that you would restore, that you would renew, that you would strengthen, that you'd give us vigor, God. Lord, I pray that we'd be alive right now. I pray that we would remain. I pray that there'd be an energy, a vigor, a strength that comes to your people today. Lord, we believe you. We see you. We thank you. And we praise you in Jesus' name. How many say amen to that? Amen, 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 amen. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Share this message with a friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe. See you next time.